Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart. Let's pray. Dearly Father God, we just thank you, Lord, that we can be in your house today. And God, we're so thankful that no matter where we are in life, we know one thing, God, that we're not stuck there, God, that through you, we have an ability and a choice to change. Lord, we'll give you the praise and the glory in Christ's name. Amen. I was reading a story uh, this past week about a young woman by the name of Lisa. Lisa had had a tough time early on in her life. Her boyfriend had went to jail. She had a young baby. She was doing everything she could to make ends meet, but it was just so challenging for her. She was living in poverty, didn't know what direction to go. And she said, one day I woke up, and she said, I determined something. I determined I was going to change. I determined that my baby wasn't going to live in poverty their whole life. And she said three interesting things. She said, when I started to change, and change she did, many years later she became a very successful businesswoman, speaker. But she said, I did three things. She said, I had to leave the familiar. So I had to leave those familiar habits, those familiar friends, those sometimes familiar places. I had to leave the familiar. And you know, it's very hard sometimes to leave the familiar, isn't it? Sometimes the familiar isn't that great. But we're fearful. Uh, it's all we know. Uh, the change is scary. But you have to leave the familiar in order to change. She said also, you got to understand that you can't rescue everybody. You know, sometimes when you're, you're changing and you're, your life's improving, you want to take all your friends with you, but they may not be in the same place as you. In fact, they may be the ones that are holding you back from change. And sometimes you can't take them all with you. You want to, but they're not going to change. And thirdly, she, she said, you know, what I learned was I can choose a different way. I can choose a different way. The disciple that we're going to look at today, he did all three of these things. He, he left the familiar. Uh, he realized that he couldn't take everybody with him, and he chose. He chose to change. Uh, he was a hated, in a hated profession. And in fact, when the other disciples, when they were bringing him in, the other disciples were very leery of him. They weren't sure that Jesus should include him in the group. But he wanted to change. You know, the first step when you want to change is you have to improve where you're going. You have to look and you say, where am I going? Boy, it's not the way I want to go. I need to improve where I'm going. You know, everybody's headed in a direction in life. Some people are, some people are headed nowhere. They're just on cruise control or they're stuck in the mud with their wheels spinning. They're just not headed anywhere in life. Other people, they've, they've got goals. They've got ambitions. They're heading somewhere in life. And I always encourage people in life, what a great thing it is in, in life to have those goals every year to have goals that you're working towards because it keeps you on a direction. It keeps you on a purpose. Other people in life, they're just headed nowhere good. 
Uh, they look at life and uh, they only see their problems. They say, you know, everything is against me. Life is against me. Look at all the problems I have. I, I can never do anything. Oh, life's meaningless. And I would say and I would encourage these people a couple things. If you feel that way, one of the first things you have to do in life is you have to learn skills to handle problems, don't you? Because guess what? You're always going to have problems. You're not the only one that has problems. I'm not the only one that has problems. Sometimes when we're in the middle of something, we think we're the only ones in the world going through it. You know, I talk to a lot of people in the course of a week from all over the country, all walks of life, and it's interesting. I, I learn because I help people with a lot of different problems that's going on in their life, and I learn that people have problems. And it's always amazing to me, every now and then you see two people Different people, different places. But they both have almost the exact same problem going on. I mean, it's just like they're, they're mirroring each other. It's the exact same thing. But one person has a different outlook. One person is saying, you know what? I'm finding a way out of this. The other person is just saying, why me? It always happens to me. And look at that. I say, it's the same problem. But it's how you view the problem that really matters. You know, problems are something, I like to think of problems as something that lock you in a room. And you're going to do one or two things. You're either going to try to find a way out or you're going to reside yourself just to stay there. I don't know if you've ever been in an escape room. Uh, basically what an escape room is, you pay money to have somebody lock you in a room and you've got to find your way out. That's kind of what it is. And, and they're fun to do. Me and my son have done several of them. And the thing about escape rooms is there's all kinds of problems you have to figure out. There's all kinds of clues. There's riddles and puzzles and ciphers and all these things you got to figure out. And as you figure them out, all of a sudden then the door opens and you can walk out of the room. As long as you're engaged in trying to figure out the problems. Now every now and then you get stuck. And you really don't have any idea what, what the puzzle is trying to tell you. Well, the great thing is, is you can ask the person in charge. There's someone watching you by camera, and there's a speaker there. And you can ask the person in charge for help. You can ask them for a clue. And they'll tell you a clue. They'll tell you what to do. Isn't it great to know as a believer in Christ, when you're stuck in that room and there's that problem that looks so big, and you're trying to figure it out, that we can ask the person in charge for help. That we can ask Jesus for assistance. Oh, I encourage you, whatever you're going through, never forget that we have help. You're not going through it alone. There's someone there to help you. Ask for help. Jesus wants us to ask for help. He wants us to seek him out. You see, we're given a chance in life to change. 2 Corinthians tells us in verse, uh, chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, when we're part of Jesus Christ, we have a different path in life. The old things that hold us down, Jesus said, why are you letting those hold you down? You're a new creature in me. You can do great things. You can change. We have the ability to change. But it all starts with improving and proving where you're going. The disciple today we're going to look at is the disciple Matthew. 
Now we first meet Matthew in Capernaum. And he's sitting in his tax booth on the side of the highway. And Jesus is in town. And Matthew is collecting dues. What a tax collector at that time, or a publican that they're, they're called also, what they would do is they worked for the Romans. So here he was, a Jewish man working for the Romans, living quite well. And he would collect taxes on uh, caravans or farmers or merchants or anybody that's importing goods or doing anything coming through Capernaum. He's the one you would go to and pay the taxes to Rome. And so tax collectors were notoriously corrupt. They would always line their pockets. They would always do things to make an extra dollar. And so Matthew was no different. He was corrupt. He was always doing things for his own gain. And this is really why it was such a hated profession. And a lot of the Jewish people viewed uh, tax collectors as traitors too because they were working for the enemy. They were working for Rome. But Matthew, he was driven by greed. He was going down the wrong road. He was going nowhere. But this person in Jesus Christ that came by, he inspired him to change. We enter our story today in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9. It says, and as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. This is kind of an interesting passage to me because here Jesus and the disciples, they're, they're walking through town. They're just walking through Capernaum. And all of a sudden Jesus sees Matthew in his tax collector booth just working away. And Jesus walks right up to him and he says, Matthew, follow me. And, and uh, the account in Luke says that Matthew got up and immediately followed and left. So here he was. He was at work. He's working away. And then he just leaves everything where it's at. And he follows Jesus. Matthew had all kinds of material wealth. He, he was in a lot better place than the other disciples financially. But he had a massive void in his life. Uh, what he was doing, his corruption, his greed, it wasn't fulfilling him in life. And he saw in Jesus an opportunity to fill that void. And he saw Christ's invitation as something that could change his life, could change the way other people saw him, could change him as a person. But he followed immediately, and I, I find that interesting because not all the disciples followed Christ right away. If you remember Peter, Peter took many, many months and several invitations before he finally followed Jesus. But Matthew, Matthew followed immediately. You see, he had something missing. He didn't have a meaningful purpose in his life. He didn't have a purpose that was eternal, a purpose that could keep him going. And he didn't want any longer. He wasn't finding any fulfillment anymore in cheating people. He wasn't finding any fulfillment in all the materialism and the greed. And when his direction in life was not fulfilling him, he understood that it didn't matter what it brought. He had to fill that void. So we see that Jesus and the disciples come to dinner at Matthew's house in verse 10. It says, And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans, many other tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. So Jesus goes to Matthew's house for dinner. 
And Matthew invites his friends. Now, of course, his friends are going to be other tax collectors. They're going to be other people in the community. They're, they're not going to necessarily be the most up-and-up people that he was hanging around. But Matthew invites them, and I believe he probably invited them because he wanted to bring them with him. He wanted them to see Jesus and change their life. And so he invites them all to dinner, and he gets them around Jesus. Isn't it something to know in life? And the disciples did this all the time. They always got people around Jesus. Uh, Andrew was uh, one that was known for this. He was always bringing people to Jesus. If there was a problem, he would bring people to Jesus. And, and we have to understand in our lives that we're going to have people come to us with problems. And, you know, we can't fix them. Some are much bigger than we could ever imagine. But we can get them to Jesus. We can point them to Jesus. We can show them to the one who can't help them, the one who can fix their problems. So sometimes in life we get overwhelmed. We think we got to do all these things and help. No, we're simply a light shining toward Christ, pointing towards Christ. And that's what Matthew is trying to do here with his friends. And we continue in verse 11. It says, and when the Pharisees saw it, isn't it something that everywhere Jesus was, the Pharisees seemed to be around, weren't they? Uh, they said unto his disciples, why... Eateth your master with publicans and sinners. That uh, can also be translated, why are you eating with such scum? Imagine that. You have, a, you have a dinner party at your house and somebody comes in, they look around, they say, why in the world do you invite such scum to eat your dinner party? Don't the Pharisees sound like great guys to be around? Intolerable people. They were people that, you know, when Jesus can't get along with you, there's something wrong. And you're going to learn in life there's people that you will not get along with. And you have to look and you say, okay, who are the people that I'm not getting along with? And if they're like the Pharisees, that's a good thing. Because Jesus didn't get along with them either. Because of the way they were. You see, you'll never lead people to Christ looking down at them. In James chapter 1, verse 22, it tells us, it says... But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You see, the Pharisees, they understood and they knew and they memorized the Old Testament. They knew it all, but they sure weren't doers. They were doing what they wanted to do. The Pharisees loved themselves, but Jesus loved others. And that was the difference. Verse 12, we see, but when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that behold need hold need not a physician, but they that are sick. You see, when it comes to change, you got to have a greater purpose than your than yourself. You got to have something bigger than yourself if you want to change. You got to find meaning that's greater than just you. Bill Bowerman was a, a famous track coach from Oregon. He coached uh, Steve Prefontaine, who was one of the great American distance runners. He also was a co-founder of Nike. And he would take his wife's waffle iron. If he ever if flipped a Nike shoe over, it looks kind of like a waffle sometimes. He would take his wife's waffle iron, and he would make shoes out of them for his track team. And that's where that different types of tread would come from. And he had a saying, and it's, it's been said many different ways. I'll kind of paraphrase it. Uh, he would say that if you find meaning in a little thing called running, you'll find meaning in a big thing called life. And I don't I agree with that. 
Because I would change that. Because meaning's not found in running. The meaning of life isn't found in running or money or anything else. I would change that, though. And, and I would say that uh, that was a, a pretty good pretty good description except for one thing you need to say when you find meaning in Jesus then you'll find meaning in life because that's where the true meaning comes in because Jesus is bigger than we are we can't find meaning in something of this world or something of ourselves and think that that's going to be the thing that's going to drive us and give us purpose it's got to be greater than that it's got to be greater of this world and when we find meaning in Christ we will find the meaning in life. When you find something that's bigger than you, it allows you to grow and expand. And you'll see the world differently. You see, Jesus was showing that a purpose must be eternal. He said, I'm here to help the sick. I'm here to give my life to others. Matthew's purpose in his life up until that point was about himself, was about the temporary. It wasn't about the eternal. It wasn't about other people. It was what he could get from other people. In Matthew 16 and verse 25, it says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profiteth if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, there's the temporary things of life. And this is what Matthew's life revolved around was a temporary. He would go in and one week he would be able to, to uh, steal and cheat from some people. And he got enough to get him a few things for a week or two. And then he had to go back and do it all over again. It, it didn't last. It was just temporary. But the eternal, when we are looking to invest eternally, it's going to produce gains long after we're gone. You know, there's probably people in your life and some of them may go back a long way. Some of them may be a friend or a family member. And it's because of them, and they might not even be on this earth here today, but it's because of them that you're here today, that you're sitting where you're sitting today. Because the influence they had on your life, because they chose to invest eternally, and maybe they've been gone for many, many years, but their influence is still here today with you. Matthew, if we think about Matthew, and if he would have just stayed where he was, just stayed a tax collector and cheated people, lived a good life from a material standpoint and died, he would just be a blip on the timeline of history. We would never know a Matthew. But because he chose to invest in eternity. It changed not only his life, but the lives of so many. You see, Matthew was one of those that after Christ left this world, he started to take the gospel into Israel. He started to take the gospel into Africa. Oh, so many people came to Christ because of Matthew. And today we talk about that tax collector, that hated tax collector who changed his life forever and became a beloved disciple of Christ and invested eternally. In verse 13, Jesus tells the Pharisees, he says, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, 
For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What's Jesus talking about here? Well, you have to understand a couple things. Change requires action. Change requires taking action. And Jesus is telling them that you better take action. Uh, he says, first you need to go and learn the true meaning of this scripture. And it was an Old Testament scripture. And when you, you look back and say, well, what scripture was that? It was found in Hosea chapter 6 and verse 6. Jesus is, uh, many times with the Pharisees, what he would do is he would put the ball in their court. They were the ones who knew uh, the, the Old Testament. They were the ones that knew the scriptures well. And so he would reference many times what we would consider Old Testament scripture. In Hosea 6.6 6, it says, For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Jesus said, I desire mercy. I, I desire that you go and show people not only mercy, but that can also be interpreted as love. I, I want you to take that out and show people mercy, show people love, show people goodness. You got to take action if you want to change. You're never going to change if you just stay the same and never take action, never move toward a goal, never move toward the place that you want to be. Jesus said, I'm here for the righteous people, not the people who think they're righteous. I'm here for the sinners. I'm here for the ones that truly need help. You know, in, in my life, I've been blessed through a, a lot of years, from the time I was 19 years old, to be a coach. And I've coached all kinds of kids. Girls, boys, all different ages, up through college, uh, just all types of kids I've been able to coach. And when I look at that, and I've had somebody, you remember years ago, ask me this. They said, you know, I've coached a lot of different kids from a lot of different backgrounds. What are the, what's the hardest kid to coach? I said, well, that's really simple. It's the kid that knows it all. They're impossible to coach. And until they change, they are just a detriment to your team because they already know it all. They're not going to listen to what you're telling them. They're not going to play within a system. They're not going to play well with others because they already know everything. And until that person changes, they're going to be impossible to coach. The Pharisees were the experts. They were the ones who knew the Old Testament law. They knew it all, so they thought. They had it all in here. They memorized it. They, they went through it. They, and they would tell people. They would show people how much they knew all the time. But here's the thing. They had no idea when it came down to it because they never took action with it. They never practiced it. They never showed love. They never showed mercy. And it didn't matter how much they thought they knew because there was no action behind it. You know, a lot of times in life, Christians do the same thing. We do the same thing. We'll uh, see someone that's hurting and has problems and uh, we'll tell them what's wrong with them, but we'll never help them. Imagine going to a doctor and you go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, I figured out what's wrong with you and man, you're messed up. Here's your problem right here. He said, oh, my goodness, doctor, what, is there a medication? Is there a therapy? What can I do? And the doctor says, yeah, there's, there's help for you. And he said, well, are you going to prescribe it? No, I'm just going to tell you what's wrong with you. But, you know, the truth is, is Christians do that sometimes. We look at somebody and we go, man, that person's messed up. Good grief. Can you believe what they're doing in their life? They are so messed up in their life. 
And we'll tell them, just like the Pharisees, up here we know it all. We know what their problem is. But we never show them love. We never show them mercy. We never reach out a hand to help them. Jesus says, that's what I require. Is not to define what the person's problem is, but to show them the love, to point them to the Savior. When we take action in Christ, we're trusting him. We're trusting him. We're trusting him that he's going to give us what we need to change. Because when you change and when you leave the familiar, it's scary. You don't know where the road's going to lead. You don't know what it's going to look like. But Jesus does. Jesus can help you every step of the way. And that's the power of this is you must be willing to trust in order to change. You've got to be willing to trust in order to change. Matthew was leaving his livelihood. He was leaving his family in a lot of ways. He was going into an uncertain time. But he was trusting one thing. He was trusting that Jesus' way was better than his way. Is, is Jesus' way better than your way? It's better than my way. That is. Is Jesus' decisions for our life, are they better than your decisions? Are they better than my decisions? Absolutely. Do we know the, the, the past and what's going on right now in the future like Jesus? No, we don't. You see, Jesus is the one that we have to trust. Matthew made a choice in his life. He made a choice to truly trust Jesus in his life. Proverbs chapter 3 tells us, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not to thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. If you want to change today, it's not the decisions that you and I make. It's not the, the knowledge that we have that's going to get us there. It's trusting in the Savior of this world. Trusting in the one who, who knows what's down the road. Trusting in the one who knows the direction that we need to go. See, Matthew, he was no longer that cheating tax collector robbing people. He changed his life. And he changed his life because he trusted in Jesus Christ. He wanted to fill that void. And Jesus came in and filled it for all of eternity. You and I are just like Matthew. We have an ability to change. We have an ability to fill a void that nothing else can fill. If you're thirsty, Jesus says, come to me. Uh, come to me and I'll give you everlasting water. Not a water that's temporary, but a water that's eternal. A water that's going to satisfy Water that's going to fill that void. Oh, only he can satisfy. Only he can change your life today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we know the change comes from you. And only you, God. Lord, we know that there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that is here in this world that's going to change our life but you. And Lord, we know that it simply takes a step of faith, a step of action, a step of trust, Lord, to come to you. 
And Lord, we pray that if there's someone here who's never taken that step, Lord, that today might be the day of their salvation. That today, Lord, they might fill that void in their life. And Lord, we'll give you the praise in your name. Amen. I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You know, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says by faith, we accept Jesus as our Savior and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you're willing to believe that God sent his son to die on a cross for you, just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son. And you came and lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross. And you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us through our website, City Church AC, or you can get at our church app through any of the um, streaming services, and we want you to know that we'll contact you. And from this day forward, no matter what you face, you'll always have hope, knowing that Jesus is your Savior, and he'll come through in your life. Thank you for being with us today.